MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, May 5th, 2021. Today, BuzzFeed gets 300 more pages of emails and 302s from the Mueller investigation in their FOIA lawsuit. Chris Steele produced a second Trump dossier. Judge Jackson orders the release of Barr's secret OLC Trump obstruction memo. McCarthy is caught in a hot mic, bad-mouthing Liz Cheney. The NRA has another bankruptcy hearing. Biden amends the vaccine distribution as he sets a new goal, while Pfizer prepares for full authorization and the approval of vaccines for kids aged 2 to 11. Texas businesses press voting rights, more arraignments and plea deals for Proud Boys, and Dick Durbin pens a letter to Chris Ray about the insurrection. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, Dana. How are you? I'm doing well, AG. I'm doing well. What day is it? It's it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Who knows? <laughs> I'm show tonight. Everything's fine. I know where I'm supposed to be. I know what year it is. And luckily, I know who the president of the United States is. <laughs> it's and it's not a scary answer. Yeah. Tell, tell us. Uh, tell us about your show again tonight. Oh, uh, show tonight is uh, called Gays Are Us. We have a very LGBTQ or LGBTQ friendly lineup of comedians. I'm going to headline, do a 15 minute virtual set, and then the host is going to do a QA with me after. So tickets are on sale at rushticks.com. Uh, and it's, you could see it. it's a really great picture of Aaron Foley, and right underneath it says Gays Are Us. So get your tickets, come join me. Awesome. It's going to be so funny. And uh, we all need to laugh. Um, and and that's why we have the good news segment at the end of the show as well. And if you guys want to submit any good news stories or play any of the games we're playing, you can do that at dailybeanspod.com. And click on contact. We'll do that at the end of the show, the good news read. Uh, today I'll also be talking to Adam Klasfeld about the NRA bankruptcy hearings. The, the closing arguments were yesterday, and he has some uh, details on that. And then uh, Dana will be on the Stereo app tomorrow night, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 Eastern, uh, for our little live Ask Us Anything, Sing Us Songs, Read Us a Limerick uh, shenanigans always a good time yes very good. always shenanigans is a good word it's one of my favorites actually shenanigans <laughs> it's definitely the beans shenanigans uh happy hour so uh that's free you can sign up uh for a little stereo i make your little icon uh at uh where was stereo.com slash allison gill i believe and then follow me and then you can follow at dg comedy to follow dana as well please do you'll get notifications when we go live so that's fun uh, anything else uh, pressing? Oh, there there is just breaking news in, and we're going to cover this more in detail tomorrow when I have time to go over the motion. But Derek Chauvin's lawyers have filed a motion for a new trial. Right? Then we were expecting this. Um, this is their, you know, their Hail their Mary. motion. <laughs> yeah. To and and mo- you know this happens. This is very common to, to you know to file for motion for a new trial, declare a mistrial, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be based on. Uh, you know, Maxine Waters' comments, uh, tainting the jury pool, the fact that the jury wasn't sequestered when Eric Nelson, that's Chauvin's defense attorney, asked for them to be sequestered earlier, you know, earlier in the tri- trial instead of during deliberations, et cetera. Uh, and uh, I'm pretty sure it doesn't have a chance, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll go over it in more detail uh, tomorrow once I've had a chance to read it. Uh, and uh, I think, I, I let me double check here, but I, I'm I might not have written anything up for Liz Cheney. Um, but if I didn't, we should probably tell you that her days appear to be numbered um as the number three in the House as as the Republican. Because um McCarthy was caught in a hot mic saying that he's lost all confidence. Uh, apparently he has the votes to remove her from that leadership position. Remember how they voted before right. and voted that she would stay? Uh, and uh, apparently, uh, according to some reporting from CNN, they were uh, Liz Cheney was expecting this. She's not surprised, uh, but she refuses to jump on the big lie bandwagon. So they're going to vote May 12th, uh, the Republicans. And uh, McCarthy is saying that they will likely remove her from her leadership position. 
I just think it's funny when people are like, oh, caught in a hot mic, caught in a hot mic. There's no cold mics anymore. So just assume whatever you're (laughs) saying out loud is caught on a hot mic. Someone heard it. Someone's going to leak it. Yeah. And you should speak in private the way you would speak in public anyway. So, (laughs) I mean, you know, just my... Just my two cents. I mean, you know, on big issues like this, if you're yeah, a politician. Big like, issue. There's probably some private conversations you just would rather not hear that I've had, but uh, I'm not hiding anything. Okay. Uh, so we have a lot of news to get to. So let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Lead story today. What I think is the lead story today is a new tranche of emails and 302s. 302s are those forms uh, that you you know FBI agents fill out from interviews. Uh, there's about 300 pages worth obtained by Jason Leopold at BuzzFeed News as part of his FOIA lawsuit to get the underlying documents in the Mueller investigation. This is another Mueller dump of those documents. The publication reports that the robust compilation of documents, which consists of emails, text messages, and memos seized from subjects and witnesses, contains details about correspondence between members of the Trump campaign as they discussed Russia. Uh, But, you know, there was no collusion. No, 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 no. Of course not. Witch hunt. Witch Mm -hmm, hunt. mm -hmm. A review of these records by Ross Story indicates Trump's son, Donald Trump Jr., and his daughter Ivanka and his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, were heavily involved in the discussions at the onset of the former guy's campaign. In fact, Ivanka reportedly informed the co-chair of her father's campaign that her brother, Don Jr., could make recommendations for military advisors while Kushner offered details about his private meetings with Henry Kissinger. In a document titled National Security Memo 4, Sebastian Gorka, who, uh, you know, eventually ended up becoming an advisor to the former guy, issued a warning to the Trump campaign saying Russia was a criminal enterprise and Putin would only respond to a determined show of force. Okay, Sebastian Gorka is also the guy who... Um, always is at was always at uh, the former guy's news conferences. Yeah, he's just this evil, yeah. evil. He's evil guy. Yeah, yeah, pretty much a Nazi. Records also include uh, documentation from September 2015, way back in the day, when former National Security Advisor Flynn solicited Trump's friend there, Bannon. That was a he, Bannon was a campaign strategist at the time. Uh, basically, in December 2016, text message records also revealed details about Flynn's conversations with Sergei Kislyak. That's the former ambassador to uh, of Russia to the United States. At the time, Flynn was said to be working to contain the fallout, uh, meaning probably the fallout of the sanctions uh, that you know were placed on them by Obama for interfering in the election and right. for uh, the, the invasion of Crimea. Because uh, basically... You know, Flynn was the one who was on the phone with them trying to say, don't retaliate. We'll take care of it when Mm -hmm. we're elected. That was later. These records also include the text messages surrounding Flynn's December 2016 communications with Kislyak and Flynn's efforts to contain the fallout. And uh, a month into his job as national security advisor, Trump, as we know, fired Flynn for lying to Pence about those communications. You can't lie to Pence, but you can try and get him killed. That is your lesson. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) And um, Flynn later pleaded guilty to lying to FBI agents about it. Twice he did. (laughs) When the Obama administration announced its intent to enforce sanctions on Russia for interfering in the election, Flynn got a text message from a mystery sender that included a link to the New York Times article titled U.S. Punishes Russia for Election Hacking, Ejecting Operatives. And in response, Flynn replied... Time for a call with three question marks. Time for a call. Serious question. The unknown recipient wrote back, yes, KT on with Bossert. That's a reference to Tom Bossert, Trump's Homeland Security Advisor. And KT is KT McFarland, right? That was uh, the number two to uh, National Security Advisor Flynn at the time. And a Bud McFarland protege right really big on that marshall plan to build nuclear reactors in saudi arabia and Mm -hmm. have u.s troops guard them Mm -hmm. yeah uh and uh, flynn wrote back okay tit for tat with russia not good russian ambassador reaching out to me today oh cool all right so you did (laughs) and you pled guilty pled pled guilty to it yep and then and then said you didn't do it yeah okay the documents also included emails sent by the former guy's uh, infamous political operative, Roger Stone, 
Uh, those emails were sent in 2015 and 2016 as he advised the soon-to-be president on a number of policies. The Trump campaign has yet to respond to these reports. Also, in Mueller world today, uh, Judge Jackson has ordered the Department of Justice to turn over a memo cited by then-Attorney General Bill Barr as his reasoning not to charge Trump with obstruction of justice as part of a lawsuit brought by Crew, the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics, Ethics in Washington. When Barr delivered the Mueller report to Congress, he said that there was not sufficient evidence to charge Trump. That was a decision made in consultation with the Office of Legal Counsel and other department lawyers. Barr and the Justice Department have refused to turn over that memo, which was written in 2019, post hoc, and that led to the lawsuit from Crew. So Judge Berman, Amy Jackson, if you're nasty, <laughs> uh, ruled that the contents of the memo call, quote, call into question the accuracy of General Barr's March 24th representation to Congress, specifically that Mueller had left it to the attorney general to determine whether the conduct described is, was a crime. Right. Remember that when when Barr was like, well, M uh, Mueller said it was up to me whether or not we were going to charge the former guy with obstruction. And so I've decided not to based on this OLC memo that I just probably paid someone to write. Now, uh, so Mueller left that out of the report. And uh, the OLC's description of the document served to obscure, quote, served to obscure the true purpose of the memo, which Crew argued was to help Barr spin his version of the Mueller report. After reviewing the OLC memo in camera, Judge Jackson found that it, quote, raises serious questions about how the Department of Justice could make this series of representations to a court, concluding that it is time for the public to see the memo, too. Uh, in ordering the document turned over to crew, Judge Jackson gave the government two weeks to respond with its course of action. Now, remember, this is Merrick Garland that's going to respond to this. Mm -hmm. And finally, in Mueller land, the former MI6 spy Chris Steele produced a second dossier for the FBI on the former guy while he was in the White House. That's according to sources uh, who spoke to Telegraph, a very conservative U.K. paper. Mm -hmm. Mr. Steele filed a series of intelligence reports to U.S. authorities during the Trump presidency, including information concerning alleged sexual exploits. So PP tape part two. Mr. Steele's continued involvement supplying intelligence to the FBI appears to give credibility to his original dossier. Yeah, Telegraph, it doesn't just appear to. It actually does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Now, and, and Telegraph did say here that that dossier sparked a special counsel investigation by Robert Mueller into Russian interference, but it didn't. That wasn't what sparked the Mueller investigation. It was the firing of Jim Comey mm -hmm. that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And as we know, the Trump-Russia investigation crossfire hur hurricane started well before the dossier was handed over to the FBI by John McCain. Uh, hello. So, so that's a uh, big Mueller day. I feel like we should use the old Mueller theme music at the top of the show, but I think it would confuse people. Like, what am I listening to? Probably maybe a little bit. They'll be like, wait, wait what happened to my Daily Beans show? Um, yes, lots of Mueller news. Thank you for that, AG. Now, I'm heading over to New Jersey because the governor, Phil Murphy, on Monday announced a new bid to boost coronavirus vaccinations. Receive your first dose in May and get a free beer. Now, why this wasn't happening when I got my shots... I'd know. like to know. I know. We get a free donut, I think, from Krispy Kreme, but no beer. Right. Two things that I just, you know what, I would really love is like, hey, get a shot of tequila. Maybe I'd line up for that. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. He said, we're not going to be afraid to try new things. Um, as they unveiled the new program dubbed Shot in a Beer at a press <laughs> briefing, which is the, absolutely brilliant. The Boilermaker, right? Right. <laughs> I know. 13 New Jersey-based breweries are participating in this program, which is only available to state residents ages 21 years and older. Duh, said Murphy. Uh, I said, duh. He didn't say that. Uh, those New Jerseyans <laughs> will have to show their vaccine cards as proof before receiving their reward, the Democratic governor said. Reward. The breweries themselves are footing the bill for the free drinks, and Murphy, who suggested more beer makers, could soon be added to the list. Now, President Joe Biden on Tuesday announced his administration's latest goals in the fight against the coronavirus, getting 70%. He wants 70% of U.S. adults to receive at least one dose of COVID vaccine and having 160 million adults fully vaccinated by July 4th. That is lofty. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that we have enough people step forward. The new vaccination targets come two months out from Independence Day, a date the White House hopes will mark a turning point in the pandemic. 
He said if we succeed in this effort, Biden said at the White House, then Americans will have taken a serious step toward a return to normal. Now, reaching the 70% figure does not mean the U.S. has achieved so-called herd immunity against the virus. Then that's when, from officials. We discussed that a little bit yesterday in the podcast. Some health experts have argued that between 70 and 85% of the U.S. population needs to be vaccinated against COVID to achieve herd immunity. The point at which enough people in a given community have antibodies against a specific disease. Now, in a background call with reporters earlier Tuesday, senior administration officials also said the White House will change the way it allocates vaccines to states. Love this. Yes, this is great. COVID vaccines that go unused or unwanted by some states will be redistributed to others. Redistributed. Not sure why I said it that way, but it's redistributed. Redistributed. All right. In order to administer tens of millions more inoculations in the next 61 days, the president will take additional steps to encourage more people to get vaccinated and make it easier for them to do so. Maybe beer. Uh, That's not what Biden said. Biden will direct thousands of local pharmacies to provide walk-in vaccinations to people without appointments. And that's from an official. The Federal Emergency Management Agency will also support pop-up and mobile clinics, which are aimed at individuals who may otherwise have trouble reaching vaccination sites. I love this one. Put a pop-up vaccination site in all of these communities. You can tell by zip code who's not coming in. Go to a pop-up. Yep. Make some food trucks. Put out a band. I don't give a shit. Let's get these people <laughs> vaccinated. Uh, also, and I love this. This is big news. Pfizer has said they will move toward their vaccine fully authorized by the end of May, removing the emergency use authorization. And what I think that means, members of the military will be forced, forced to get the vaccine, AG, which is huge. And in addition, Pfizer says they should be able to authorize kids 2 to 11. We're we're working on the littles now, 2 to 11 to get the vaccine by this September. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's both of those are really important pieces of great news. And yeah, you know, I've been talking about the 40 percent of Marines or something won't get the vaccination. I'm like, why the F does? Because uh, I remember being in the military. I remember having to walk the gauntlet of 86 different vaccines. I didn't get a choice. Yeah. Why is this optional? You know, because when you're a military member, you your body belongs to the federal government. And uh, and so they should be vaccinated. But somebody said, oh, well, when it's for emergency use authorization, it's not mandatory. They can choose. But once that Uh. emergency use authorization is lifted and it is fully authorized, I think they'll be able to mandate these vaccines for military members. And I hope they do. Thank you. Thank you for that explanation. Now, there were several status conferences for Proud Boys charged in the insurrection today, including Ethan Nordeen, Joe Biggs, and Charles Donahoe. Those will sound familiar because Nordeen was the guy that was put in charge on the ground after Tario was arrested. Uh, and the feds got all of Nordeen's text messages from his phone because his wife gave the FBI the password. <laughs> the, 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 The FBI is still trying to crack the other's phones. So, like, that's why we have Nordine's messages, WhatsApp messages, signal messages, text messages, group chats and stuff. We have all his, but we don't have the others because they're still trying to crack them. Nordine's lawyer said they will be filing a motion challenging the search of his phone. Uh, Okay, good luck. Nordine was previously ordered to remain in jail, but today's hearing was not about his bail. Uh, But there were motions on detention for Zach Real and Charles Donahoe. As soon as the information on these hearings comes out, I will share it with you. I'm assuming they will continue to be remanded in jail. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to come up with great new reasons why they aren't a danger to the public. Uh, Also, there are uh, preliminary plea agreements talks with the Delaware guy. That's the guy who brought the Confederate flag into the rotunda. Uh, He looks like he's going to flip. And we'll let you know what comes from that. We already got one of the other potential plea agreements with John Schaefer on the books here. That's the iced earth guy. And uh, founding (laughs) member of the Oath Keepers. As I've said, I I believe there are others cooperating we don't know about because, you know, the the Schaefer one only came out because they accidentally filed it on the public docket instead of under seal like they meant to. Uh, And there are several other indictments filed under seal that could be working on a cooperation agreement. And there are some information charges filed on the docket, which is something where if you have information charges, that that means the defendant has waived their right to indictment, which generally means it could mean that they're cooperating. It's not a guarantee, but that's usually what that means. And Senator Dick Durbin has penned a letter to FBI Director Chris Wray 
making disturbing allegations and asking for answers. According to the letter, Durbin wants to know why the FBI had infiltrated the Proud Boys as far back as 2019 to get information on Antifa cells, <laughs> but didn't warn anyone about the insurrection until January 5th. So the, he's like, FBI, if you were in the trenches with the Proud Boys back in 2019, why didn't you have the intel earlier than the day before the insurrection? Now, Chris Ray has a lot of explaining to do, in my opinion here, but who knows? I don't know, but we'll let you know how he responds to Dick Durbin's letter when it happens. Uh, They're coming for you. They are coming for you, Chris. All right. Two broad coalitions of companies and executives released letters on Tuesday calling for expanded voting access in Texas. Now, they're wading into a contentious debate over Republican legislatures' proposed new restrictions on balloting after weeks of relative silence from the business community in the state. One letter comes from a group of large corporations, including HP, Microsoft, Unilever, Salesforce, Patagonia, and Sodexo, as well as local companies and chambers of commerce, and represents the first major coordinated effort among businesses in Texas to take action against the voting proposals. So the letter under the banner of a new group called Fair Elections Texas stopped short of criticizing the two voting bills that are now advancing through the state's Republican-controlled legislature, but opposes, quote, any changes that would restrict eligible voters' access to the ballot. A separate letter, also released on Tuesday and signed by more than 100 Houston executives, goes further. It directly criticizes the proposed legislation and equates the efforts with voter suppression. Say it. Louder for the people in the back. Mm. That letter was organized by a breakaway faction of the Greater Houston Partnership, the equivalent of a citywide chamber of commerce in the country's fourth largest city, and came after a month of intense debate within the organization over how to respond to the voting proposals. So together, the letters signify a sudden shift in how the business community approaches the voting bills in Texas. Until now, American Airlines and Dell Technologies were the only major corporations to publicly speak out about the Texas legislation. And after doing so, they quickly found themselves threatened by Republicans in Austin. Um, so, you know, it, 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 you hit them where it matters. Mm-hmm. And, and when these corporations come out and say no... You know, I want to I want to see someone say, we'll move out. We will move out of this state. Yeah. And uh, and straight up, the 100 CEOs calling it voter suppression, 100 CEOs from Houston. That's intense. Houston is one of the most diverse cities in this country. And I don't think people realize that it is a melting pot. Yep, it really is. I didn't know it was the fourth largest city until just now. Yeah. Huge. That's big. That's big. That's big. <laughs> and the NRA had another bankruptcy hearing, and our oh, next guest was there. Mm. Yeah, it was the closing arguments. A lot of fireworks. I'll be joined by Law and Crime's Adam Klasfeld after this break. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Hosting the Daily Beans has made me more inquisitive about the unexplained mysteries of the universe. How do cults of personality take hold? Why do some people believe in conspiracies and others like science? Why is Tucker Carlson so creepy? When you need a break from contemplating the big questions, it's time to take on a puzzle that's meant to be solved. (laughs) Like the literally thousands of puzzle-solving levels on Best Fiends. And unlike mulling over the mysteries of the universe, Best Fiends leaves your brain feeling refreshly challenged. Best Fiends makes my brain feel invigorated, like I just got out of steaming in a hot sauna or like I just had a deep tissue massage for my frontal lobes. The best thing is it doesn't require the internet. And it's not for like super avid gamers, although you can play it too. It's for casual gamers as, as well. So it's, it's meant for everyone. Uh, and it doesn't require the internet, like I said, so you can play anywhere, anytime. Don't have to worry about Wi-Fi access or using cell data. I've been playing for over a year. I still get the rush of adrenaline when I beat a level. I love the increasingly challenging puzzles and the beautiful visual design. Best Fiends has a ton of puzzles to solve. And unlike other matching puzzle games where you have to do the same thing over and over, Best Fiends has variety and, you know, strategy. The only downside, sometimes I can't put it down. I'm already on level 2051, but there are thousands of levels still waiting. With Best Fiends, there is something new to play every day. It's endless fun, and you get these cute collectible characters. Best Fiends constantly has new features that are catching my eye. I love all the new updates and exploring new levels, catching new fiends along the way. I really appreciate how the challenges get harder and harder, and they keep leveling up your fiends to destroy the evil slugs. I also like that the the game has multiple ways of earning in-game currency along with new promotions. So if you're hungry for a near-endless supply of fun puzzles, uh, try Best Fiends. Just don't blame me if you can't turn it off. Download the five-star rated puzzle game Best Fiends for free today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I am joined by uh, Adam Klasfeld from Law and & Crime and the host of the Objections podcast. Adam, welcome. Thank you for having me. 
So you covered yesterday the latest hearing, the closing arguments on the NRA bankruptcy hearings. Uh, And I wanted to talk a little bit about that. But before we launch into yesterday's hearing, can we uh, talk, can you maybe give us a little bit of background, uh, catch everybody up to speed, get everybody up to speed on what's going on with the NRA, uh, quote unquote, bankruptcy? (laughs) Well, it goes back essentially the beginning of this year. Uh, The NRA, as uh, your listeners probably know, has been uh, under, they've been sued by New York Attorney General Letitia James, uh, and that lawsuit seeks to shutter the organization, and it's still finding its way through the New York courts. And uh, so NRA uh, CEO Wayne LaPierre had the idea to open up a company called Seagirt LLC in Texas and file for bankruptcy. And according to many observers, uh, he may come to regret that decision because he has essentially uh, created these proceedings in this trial that has been going on for uh, about a month now. The closing arguments were yesterday. And all of the things that were going to come to a head and that were alleged in the New York Attorney General's lawsuit have been argued at trial. We've had testimony from former executives. We've had testimony from Wayne LaPierre himself, where all of the tales of uh, high living, where uh, Attorney General Letitia James says that he was using the NRA as his personal piggy bank. We're learning a lot more about yacht trips that he has taken to the Bahamas, uh, allegedly for his safety, um, (laughs) and other details like that. Yeah, I remember the the safety. And I need the huge mansion for my my own protection. Uh, And and the yacht was really just because, you know, I'm I'm in danger. So so that was an interesting defense. And didn't um, didn't Wayne LaPierre like fail to notify the board of his decision to file bankruptcy. I mean, I think that came out in some previous hearings as well. Absolutely. That was one of the pivot points about how many people say that they were blindsided. Uh, It goes all the way up to the general counsel for the NRA did not know this was going to happen. He testified during the proceedings. The CFO did not know this was going to happen. Board members say they didn't know that this was going to happen. Now, the adversarial proceedings inside the NRA of, you know, there are the New York attorney general wants it to be dismissed. The NRA's longtime PR firm, Ackerman McQueen wants it to be dismissed, but there's another party there. That's a former board member, uh, judge Phil journey. He's an active, uh, Wichita judge, and he's also an NRA board member. And he, basically went out and said that the NRA's bankruptcy petition, in his words, was a fraud perpetrated on the court because he alleges, you know, that they suggested that the board was apprised of it. They were informed of it when they were not. Uh, The NRA uh, denies this, but this point was picked up by the New York attorney general during closing arguments saying, we agree this was a fraud perpetrated on the court. Um, and other revelations have come out of trial of a former CFO uh, apparently pleading the fifth against uh, self-incrimination throughout his deposition by the New York Attorney General. So there's some very serious allegations that have come forward during this trial in a very public fashion. And the court has released audio of the proceedings every day. We can hear uh, Wayne LaPierre talking in his own words about his uh nearly $300,000 shopping spree at a Beverly Hills Xenia being questioned about it by the attorney general. So it's been quite a blockbuster trial that came to a head essentially uh, this week. Yeah. And, and one of the, the reasons that Wayne LaPierre may have stepped in it by filing bankruptcy is the potential of having a fiduciary appointed to control the company. Isn't that right? There was something, some back and forth there where they would have to have somebody appointed to take over the financial, you know, operations. Well, that's what Judge Journey, the board member who has many concerns about Wayne LaPierre's stewardship of it, he wants an examiner to be appointed. Uh, The 
New York Attorney General and Ackman McQueen, they don't want an examiner appointed at all because they believe that the case should be dismissed. They shouldn't get bankruptcy protection. In their words, this Seagirt LLC is a, quote, wholly owned shell company, end quote, of Wayne LaPierre, that they that they warn that there is this roadmap that if the NRA is allowed to declare bankruptcy by creating an entity in Texas and suing in Texas, uh, remember, they were formed roughly 150 years ago in New York, that it's a sort of blueprint for corporate actors, uh, according to the New York Attorney General, you want to get out of litigation that you think could end badly, you uh, circumvent that court system. Don't worry about the appellate court system. Uh, you just go to where you perceive maybe a friendly jurisdiction, open an entity uh, that had more assets than debts at the time of the filing. And they warned that that's a very dangerous precedent. And in one of the biggest developments during closing arguments, the U.S. trustee agreed. Uh, the U.S. trustee rarely uh, makes basically rarely inserts that uh, an opinion in a matter like this, but they saw that uh, they took it upon themselves to uh, formally announce an opinion opposing the bankruptcy petition during closing arguments. <laughs> wow. Um, now, a question for you, too, because I wasn't Oliver North sort of embroiled in this. I mean, I know that he was... Uh, I think he was removed from the board because he disagreed or, or thought that there was gross mismanagement of funds by Wayne LaPierre. Uh, is he involved in this lawsuit at all? Right. Well, this is goes to some of the infighting and fracturing within the organization. As a matter of fact, uh, the NRA sued Oliver North and accused him of being part of a coup attempt on Wayne LaPierre's leadership. Uh, that was their words, <laughs> coup attempt on his leadership. And so he he's sort of involved by way of Ackerman McQueen in the, uh, the longtime PR firm. Uh, his name has come up in that context uh, over the course of the proceedings. Ackerman McQueen's lawyers have been uh, very active throughout it. The NRA constantly uh, talks about their litigation with Oliver North. And so that has been a running thread of this process. Yeah, and speaking of Ackerman McQueen, I remember reporting, gosh, probably a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, that, you know, of their sort of shady dealings with moving money around, you know, because, I mean, they got like $30 million infusion uh, of money that we all thought came from Russia. But when they, you know, the, the NRA would only hand over their dues list and say, oh, a couple of Russians paid dues, but we never got any dono donations. But, you know, those same amounts were realized by Ackerm Ackerman McQueen. And I think that I don't know if that has anything to do with the they're particularly wanting to distance themselves or be on the correct side during this particular battle. But they seem to be in a little hot water, too, with all of that. Well, it's interesting because you mentioned the Russia uh, side of this. It's been a faintly brought up at one point, and it was brought up by Ackerman McQueen. They were talking about the uh, expenditures that the, N that the NRA uh, spent on legal payments to the Brewer Law Firm, and the line item was simply marked Russia. Um, it didn't dive too deep into what specifically those payments were for, and I believe the, the judge cut off the line of questioning because it wasn't necessarily relevant to the matter at hand, but it was a tantalizing glimpse of something that had been long discussed with the NRA scandal. Um, Another thing about Ackerman McQueen that has come up at this trial, one of the uh, conflicts of interest alleged by the attorney general uh, came in the form of these, you know, $300,000 Zenia suits. Uh, Wayne LaPierre's defense was my PR firm, Ackerman McQueen, got me the suits for the television appearances. This was for work. Uh, so that there have been uh, lots of different storylines coming from over the course of this trial. Uh, absolutely. And I, I want to ask you about this hearing yesterday. I want to go over some of the highlights, but I do have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Absolutely. Great. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back after this. Hey, everybody. It's AG from The Beans. Mother's Day is this Sunday. Woo! 
Ooh, hair on fire. I just wanted to make take a moment to say I love you to my mom. Hello, mom. I love you. And a shout out to all the moms out there. I love you too. You give us so much love and unconditional support. Thank you for making the world a better place. I love Mother's Day so much. And I appreciate my mom more and more each year. And this year I'm getting her something special from Pandora Jewelry to show her how much she means to me. Pandora has the perfect gift for the mom in your life from their customizable charms to a huge variety of beautiful bracelets and rings and necklaces and earrings. They just have so much great stuff. I think my mom is really going to love her key and flower necklace. I also got her a little family tree along with a giving tree book. But please, nobody tell her. She's probably listening. Uh, But hello, Mom. Uh, If you're listening, you can look forward to your deliciously wonderful piece of Pandora jewelry for Mother's Day. It's high quality. It's a perfect gift meant to last. This season, Pandora has gifts from every mom with new designs from their collection of contemporary classics. And jewelry can be customized to fit all styles and personalities. You can curate your own looks with their new Pandora Rose collection or check out some of their bestsellers like the Princess Wishbone Ring. Express a connection that is stronger than words with symbols of love and gratitude like hearts and infinity symbols and angel wings. And they remind us of how special our moms are. Shop safely in store with Pandora styling experts to find the perfect gift for any mom on your list, all the moms on your list. You can buy online with in-store pickup and curbside pickup at select locations. Please contact your local store for more information. And thank the mom in your life for always being there with a sparkling gift from Pandora Jewelry. Go to us.pandora.net slash dailybeans to start shopping or find a store near you. That's us.pandora.net slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking law and crime and uh, the host of the Objections podcast, Adam Klasfeld. And uh, we're discussing the NRA bankruptcy lawsuit and bankruptcy hearing. And I wanted to uh, ask you now about the hearing, the closing arguments that took place yesterday to give us a little top line thoughts on that. And then I want to kind of go over some of the I I imagine it was just a it was fireworks. So Mm -hmm. I'd like to know a little bit about some of the interesting things that were said uh, from both sides. So, So tell us a little bit about the hearing. You've got it. Well, one of the things that I mentioned earlier, one of the biggest surprises of the hearing was the U.S. trustee taking a position and taking the position that this bankruptcy petition deserves to be dismissed. And if it isn't dismissed, point an, appoint an examiner to oversee the NRA. Uh, it is very rare that the U.S. trustee, a subdivision of the Department of Justice, takes a formal position in proceeding like this. And uh, the judge will have to take that into consideration as he goes and issues a ruling that's anticipated to come early next week. So that's one of the biggest surprises of that hearing. Uh, Some of what we heard, as I mentioned earlier, the New York Attorney General said, I agree with the NRA's board member, that board member uh, Phil Journey, that this petition is a fraud upon this court. That was a line that uh, the New York Attorney General's lawyer said a number of times that this petition is a fraud on this court. It's based on a shell company that was created for the purpose to manufacture jurisdiction in Texas for a bad faith, uh, for a bad faith purpose uh, to avoid this litigation. And so another thing from the NRA's side, uh, it was very interesting. The NRA's counsel, Greg Garman, uh, they've been arguing for a long time that this is politically motivated. Once they, once the U.S. trustee game became involved, uh, they there was a little bit of innuendo on uh, Greg Garman's part. He said, we have natural enemies. Uh, that cryptic remark, apparently suggesting that the DOJ is in on it and that this is, you know, I mean, he he didn't spell it out. It wasn't an explicit accusation from Greg Garman, but uh, Ackerman McQueen's attorney pointed it out, essentially saying, are, are you saying that the DOJ is now weaponized against the NRA, uh, that this, that this rhetoric uh, was basically political noise to avoid what has been a genuinely embarrassing parade of revelations about the NRA that has gotten some of their own members questioning what has happened to the money donated. Okay, so yeah, that's a pretty big thing. How many uh, lawyers gave closing arguments? Was it was there a parade here of different lawyers from different, uh, you know, institutions? There were. There was the New York Attorney General and Ackerman McQueen's attorneys both calling for dismissal. You had the NRA's arguments. You had uh, certain board members. There was George Journey's uh, attorney. There was the attorney for the U.S. trustee. And you had a couple of uh, other voices into the mix. So it was day-long arguments, uh, and it 
capped off a month-long trial, so there was certainly a lot to talk about. Um, and so those were pretty much the uh, highlights of them. Now, what was the NRA's response to their bankruptcy being called a, a, a fraud upon the court? How did they respond to that because of the shell company, et cetera? Did they have a defense? And the really interesting thing, the the NRA did not very much address the propriety of opening a company, Seeger, you know, that particular, you know, they characterized it as legitimate, but they didn't kind of explain why this would be an acceptable blueprint of a company that is formed in a different state to essentially go to the Lone Star State where they perceive a more favorable jurisdiction. You know, it was just a kind of uh, they, Greg Garman attacked the politics. Uh, he uh, kind of steered clear of those arguments. He poo-pooed the revelations about the uh, about the money that was spent and said that it didn't rise to it and brought up this kind of fear that it will be shuttered and they won't have any recourse. Ah, so they tap danced around it. Um, so you say that we're expecting an, a ruling probably early next week, and that ruling will either be to dismiss the bankruptcy filing or to do something else with it, accept it going forward, put put some sort of a person in charge of the financial stuff. Is that something that the court could rule if, if they allow the bankruptcy to go forward? Yeah. Right. If this uh, judge, uh, Philip Journey, wins, uh, he will, you know, he's asking for the appointment of an examiner. You have the NYAG and the Ackerman-McQueen saying dismiss it. You have uh, the NRA uh, hoping that it will go ahead. So the so Judge Hale has a number of options. He realizes, he said at the end of the proceedings, that he realizes that it's a very significant case, and it just so happens that he will be retiring soon. Uh, he It shouldn't be interpreted as being because of this case. He had a pre-scheduled retirement and is apparently uh, going out with a... Uh, case that the entire country is watching yeah going out with a bang no Absolutely. pun intended <laughs> now <laughs> um it, it, the thing that he won't rule on is whether or not this bankruptcy is fraudulent i mean he may say that but there's no criminal liability to that unless there's some other investigation being done into the i mean because you know I, I imagine if this is a fraudulent bankruptcy filing there's probably some sort of a law against doing that um and i'm wondering who's looking into that is that something that tish james would probably be in charge of looking into to see if they violated any statutes at least new york state statutes uh or maybe the the u.s treasury or the department of justice could look into whether or not this is a federally fraudulent bankruptcy filing i'm not sure what the law looks like there and i i don't assume that the judge would be making any proclamations as such but might bring it up Right. I mean, it is now part of the case record that those accusations exist. Now, there hasn't been much reporting on whether any prosecutors or regulators have taken up the invitation uh, to address those allegations. I will note that, again, that uh, NYAG was quoting Phil Journey, who is a board member and a judge. I mean, he's a Wichita family court judge. He's not a criminal court judge, but someone who presumably doesn't bandy about words like fraud uh, very lightly. Right. And so it's something that is serious enough to get a former CFO of the NRA to plead the fifth repeatedly in a deposition. Um, now, in obviously one's Fifth Amendment right, it's a treasured right, and uh, in a criminal proceeding should not be used against him by any fair-minded jury or finder of fact. However, um, there that could have potentially civil ramifications. The Fifth Amendment applies differently in the civil context. So uh, I think one of the questions that will long outlast this trial is what will these allegations of uh, criminal conduct and the 
what we saw with the ex-CFO's testimony, what will become of all that? And I think reporters and other observers will be watching that question closely. If it is a fraudulent filing, shouldn't just be left hanging in the wind. Somebody would probably, whether it's criminally or civilly, need to uh, investigate that or take a look at it. Right. I think that this trial has brought so much evidence into the public sphere and so much information about the internal operations about the NRA that it's why some observers have said that perhaps Wayne LaPierre, uh, when he believed that this might be a way forward to avoid all the unpleasantness happening in New York, may come to regret that. There is now a month-long proceedings of all of this Uh, All of the audio is out. A lot of the evidence is out. The headlines have shown what's happening internally. And that means a lot of people might look into uh, where this leads next, whether civilly or criminally. Yeah, the danger of throwing a Hail Mary pass is that you could always be intercepted. So (laughs) you need (laughs) if it were free and clear, you know, uh, and no one could pick it off. Hey, go for that Hail Mary, make that shell company and try to file bankruptcy. But, you know, uh, there's there are dangers. He could step in it. He might he might have stepped in it. And we'll see. I know you'll continue to report on this. And you, everyone, please check out the Objections podcast. There's a, a real deep dive into this NRA uh, shenanigans uh, on that on that podcast. And you can also find Adam Klasfeld at Law and Crime. I appreciate your time today so much. Thanks for going over this with us. I thank Adam Klasfeld. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure coming on your show, Allison. Thank you. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, Daily Beans listeners, if you've ever slept over at a relative or friend's house and had to toss and turn on some futon that felt like a torture device, you know my pain. I've had trouble sleeping practically every night for about the past four years. I thought it was who was in the White House, but as it turns out, I had a garbage mattress, and it wasn't customized for me. And there comes Helix to save the day. They solve my sleep issues, and they've given me restful nights again. Helix recognizes each of us sleeps differently and customizes the mattress to fit you and the way you sleep best. Helix created this online sleep quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete, and they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. So if you like a mattress that's firm or if you like a really plush mattress or you sleep on your side or you sleep hot... Uh, or you sleep on your stomach or your back, there is a specific mattress for each and everyone's unique taste. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like my bed medium firm and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. But don't take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and then again in 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. It is my favorite mattress by far I've ever had in my entire life on this planet. They have a 10-year warranty and you can try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll blow it on. Good news is on the way. All right, everybody, it's time for the good news, corrections, what the mutt, favorite swears, find the cat, uh, confessions. I don't know. All, everything. It's time for everything else. Everything. Everything. All the games. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> yep. Yep. So uh, this is going to be awesome. This is all listeners submitted. Uh, you can send your stuff in by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. And I will kick us off with a correction from Rob no pronouns given. I appreciate this correction. And then I would like to comment. Please. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Very respectfully, Dana Goldberg. Uh, I love this podcast, Rob says. As a Brit with a Scottish family, I feel moved to note that on your podcast of 4th May 21 implies that wearing kilts without underwear is somehow deviant. This is not the case. Famously, true Scotsman and Highland dress do not wear undies under their kilts. Uh, sporons are used to weigh down the kilt in case of a sudden gust of wind. (laughs) Okay, cool. Like the shower curtain weights. Okay. Plus, any gentleman who's ever been to Scotland in winter will be well aware that the risk of skimming is grossly overstated, even for the most priapic. Spot the cat is amazing. I must make you aware of my cat art book. All right. Well, please do. (laughs) Now, I know that I started that, uh, and I sometimes misspeak as a comedian, so I'm going to take responsibility for that. No way was I implying that men in kilts 
are less than masculine or men in kilts without underwear are somehow deviant. Cause I know this is, this is just, it's what they do. It's tradition. I know that most men in Scotland do not have undies under their kilts. What I was saying is that the proud boys <laughs> who are very much saying we are trying to target their masculinity in this specific instance had letters written on their bare ass. Now in a group of men, that means some other man had to take a Sharpie and write a letter (laughs) on your bare ass. That's that's what I tweeted. I remember we talked about that. I was like, I'm just picturing which proud boy had to kneel down with his face in that guy's ass crack to write M on that guy's butt. Oh, man. (laughs) Anyway, so Rob, thank you for that. And you know what? Sometimes I don't get to get it all, all out of my mouth. And so I appreciate the correction. I agree with you. I see no deviance. In fact, I think it's a fantastic tradition. And sometimes I want to drop change, like in Splash, just to see what's going on under there. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Movie Splash. <laughs> when he's down on the ground, and he's literally just hitting the ground. He's not even trying to pick up the change, yep. right? Yep. That'd be me. Uh... Mm. All right. Uh, what do we have next, Dana? Oh, we've got Peter pronouncing him. Dear Beans Queens, here is Juno's entry in Spot the Cat Game. One night a couple years ago, I couldn't find my cat Juno anywhere in the house. Now, I knew she wasn't outside, but I went through the house looking under every bed, every closet, even opening drawers, thinking maybe she had jumped into one of those and had it close on her. Now, she had done that very thing a few months <laughs> earlier. So when I did finally find her in the garage, I took this picture and let her be as she obviously wanted some alone time. At least now I know that she will win any game of hide and seek. Loving the show. Yeah, I would have never found this. I would have never found the cat in this photo. Is that her tiny ear in that black bin? No. Nope. Look at the picture below. You'll never find her. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's amazing. You just see her little Pete's. (laughs) <laughs> i love that they have it circled in the bit oh my god that's hysterical and so sweet yeah. and they yeah they exploded the view and blew it up for us so we can see you. i would not have seen that i wouldn't I would not have seen that N- not a chance nope uh all right next up from matt pronouns he and him greetings beans queens my good news is the same as everyone's but i gotta celebrate it just the same i got my second shot with no side effects woohoo And in two weeks, I fly across the country to see my parents who are in their 80s and my sister who is undergoing chemo. Everybody's fully vaccinated. Everybody's safe to hug. I can't wait. It's been a long, tough, lonely year. I'm grateful for the company that your comedy news team provides. You all feel like friends. Oh, Matt, thank you. That was awesome. Thank you, Matt. I'm so happy for you. Me too. All right. This next one's anonymous. Pronouns he and him. Hello. I've been listening since early days from here in the UK. As we have our own Trump warnings and lessons learned are sadly all too relevant. I have a quarantine confession. My choir of about 60 had been meeting over Zoom for a year, far from ideal as it's kept us vocally in trim and held us together. We have a great voice coach who takes us through our, our paces every week. A couple months ago, she gave us a relaxation exercise where we lay on the floor and perform some stretching, realizing that with the full bladder, total relaxation was proving elusive. I decided I needed to deal with the situation. As I was lying on the floor and out of camera shot, rather than draw attention to myself, I wriggled three yards on my back to the doorway, (laughs) flipped over onto all fours and crawled out of the door. After nipping to the loo, as we say, I reversed the process, oh my God, to rejoin the lesson. As you probably guessed, but to my horror, I realized when I stood up and looked at the screen, my less than balletic... What a great word. Balletic performance was in shot. Old friends can be very cruel. (laughs) Vaguely related and to revive an old thread to girlfriend of a conductor acquaintance said that the collective noun for conductors is an ego of conductors. Mm, Harsh. Uh Mm -hmm. Harsh. Attached as pet tax. Uh, Perez, Mady, and Tosh. Perez and Tosh, named after the detectives in the telly show Shetland, for whom my wife has a soft spot. Mm -hmm. Tosh, the one on the right, has been described by my daughter as alive but looking like she's stuffed. Answers to breed, guessing below, no peeking. Oh, okay. So the one on the right is definitely a terrier of some kind. And I think the one on the left is too, because it's just a bigger version of the one on the right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like a terrier with longer fur. We've got a poodle in the middle mixed with a... (laughs) Look at the second picture. 
Oh my god. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, let's see what we got. Maddie in the middle. She's a Bashan crossed with a poodle. So she's a Bashan Frise with a poodle. The father, Tosh, and Perez is a Jack Russell with apparently a Chihuahua grandfather. So terrier with Chihuahua mix. There we go. Oh, my God. That dog in the second picture kills me. God, that's so funny. Uh, all right, next up from Jordan, pronouns she and her. Hi, Beans Queens. I realize I've got games three. I got a games threefer for you. I was listening to Africa by Toto earlier. Good choice. And I was today years old when I realized that I'd actually actually been singing Sure as Kilimanjaro rises like an empress above the Serengeti. What is actually rises like Olympus, uh, which makes a whole lot more sense. But I feel like mine worked, too. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I like it, too. I like Empress better, actually. For swear words, it's definitely my family's favorite SFW swear to yell out Bob Saget which uh, is the same cadence as gosh dang it or other GD that will let you that will get you in trouble around the little ones. Yeah. And I remember that from there was an old uh, really like pretty inappropriate uh, thing on the Internet that went around years ago called Tourette's guy. And he would that was his swear word was Bob Saget, which is ironic because Bob Saget curses like a sailor. He in his does. He's one of the dirtiest comics out there. You think he wasn't? Oh, he is. His aristocrats is one of the best things I've ever heard. Okay. And finally, my pod pet tax and what the mutt is my parents' dog, Buster. Great name. He was rescued by my grandparents many years ago. And when they passed away, my parents took him in so he would stay in the family. He's such a sweet and loyal boy. And yes, he always looks exactly like this. Stoked. As far as his breed, your guess is as good as ours because we have not gotten him tested. The only thing is confirmed is he's 100% good boy. He is a shepherd and maybe a beagle and probably... The chow chow. Chow chow. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'd like you to look at the answer. (laughs) Almost definitely a German Shepherd or Belgian Malinois. Definitely some chow chow because of his tongue. Yeah. All right. MDA pronoun she and her. Good day, AGDG and all the beans people. This is a bit of good news with a thank you. I want DG to know how much I appreciated her talking openly about her hearing issues and her hearing aids. I know I've had significant hearing loss over the past several years and really didn't want to face that I was a candidate for hearing aids, that age thing, you know, but you inspired me to finally admit how much my hearing loss affects my daily life and got me off my ass and make an appointment for a full hearing evaluation. I have let my spouse know that we're going in all in for the best and hopefully tiniest aids that will help correct my issues. I've already submitted photos of all our menagerie from previous previous pet tax, uh, pet payments, excuse me. For, uh, so for today, I'm including a recent photo of my very good friend's lockdown rescue. His name is Gus, and you are welcome to guess his breed. As a hint, he weighs 40 pounds, and yes, his legs are really as short as they seem in the photo. <laughs> Gus is the cutest little blue healer corgi mix. Yep, that's what I was thinking, blue healer corgi. Let's see what we got. Oh, my goodness. Corgi and Blue Healer. Damn right. You got it. MDA. You got it. I am so glad that me being able to talk about this has inspired you. Um, It really has made a lot of difference, especially with my tinnitus. And I will tell you that the hearing aids that I've got are about the size of a large cashew. You can't even really see them. They're behind my ear, and there's just a very small cord that goes down in, and it's a, a clear tube, and you just kind of insert it like you would a... Um, earphone, an ear, an earphone, no, an ear pod. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so they have very, very, very small ones. They're really impressive and they have different kinds. Some go in your ear. I didn't get that one because I have that issue where my ears already feel full. So I didn't want anything to plug it up. So the tube, the tiny little thing that goes in my ear is very, very small, but they have a lot. I'm so glad. I I look forward to hearing how it's changed uh, your days because I hope it's for the best. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's so wonderful. And Dana, how's it going with adjusting to hearing all the things? Is it getting any better? Uh, it's, it's, it is still tough. I just got back from Big Bear, as, as I had said, and it's so quiet. It was so quiet in the cabin when I was writing. And um, when I got back, I texted a friend. I was like, why is it so fucking loud in Los Angeles? There are so many noises. Um, but I realized that it's still adjusting. I'm still getting used to them. Um, and to be honest with you, I'll probably end up going to Costco and seeing that what they have to offer, because if they have the step up from mine that are even better at the price I'm already paying, why not get the best, even if it's last year's model? So, yeah, yeah, 100%. If it's your hearing, you know, 
go for the best. It is expensive, that's for sure, but it's worth it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for all these submissions. And we did pretty good in What the Mutt today, I we must did. say. I'm, I know. I'm impressed with us. I am impressed with us. Uh, I didn't get the Bichon Frise, and I didn't get what the ter- they didn't get the Chihuahua part of the Terrier mix. But my God, that photo of that Terrier just looking so at you like mm. Bichon Frise <laughs> sounds like something I want to put in my salad. Like it's a nice leafy dog. Yeah, or it's it's like a decolletage cream or something. Yeah, you know. Anyway, anyway. Uh, <laughs> do you have any uh, thoughts before we before we get out of here today? I uh, just want to make a quick correction before someone writes in. I do not uh, encourage putting dogs in salads. So just want to make sure that's clear before we end this episode, <laughs> before we get a lot of emails. Okay, that, those are my no, last words. No dogs were harmed in the making of this salad. Indeed. And as it should always be. All right, everybody, until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last Stereo show went a little bit like this. What about you, ladies? What are your favorite nonsensical songs? The most weird, bizarre, silly stuff you can think of that you've heard through music. Thank you very much for all you do. Um, Hope you're all well. Talk to you soon. Bye. Oh my God, AGI. So I have an older gay brother. I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but I feel like it is because he had the B-52s on the record. So it was like, you know, we were into the, has anybody seen a dog dyed dark green, sunglasses and a bonnet, designer jeans with <laughs> appliques on it. We were like, what? Like, Keith Lorraine, <laughs> like, I'm like, how many drugs was that person on? Uh, nonsensical songs. You're so much better at this than I am. So you go first, because I bet you've already thought of one and I'll try and think of one. Um, my favorite nonsensical songs come from they might be giants, for example. Oh, yes. Boat of Car is really good. And then, of course, I'm going down to Cowtown. A cow's a friend to me. Lives beneath the ocean. That's where I will be beneath the waves, the waves. And that's where I will be. I'm going to see the cow beneath the sea. Yeah. There you go. No. Although, were they talk? What was he whale watching? Is it really that obscure? <laughs> you won't answer any questions about their lyrics. I, I've asked multiple times. Oh my uh, god! The best I, I love. I love them. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. The best I can get out of them is the explanation of uh, "Birdhouse in Your Soul," which we already yeah. knew, right? Right. So. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm only being your bonnet. Yeah, it's sung from the point of view. Uh, sung from the point of view of a, a bluebird nightlight in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones.